BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. On a mission to change the way consumers purchase glasses, GlassesUSA.com was created on one simple belief. Eyewear shouldn't break the bank. It's the smart way to buy glasses. GlassesUSA.com allows consumers to purchase eyewear from the convenience of their own home and offers a wide variety of high-quality frames and lenses at affordable prices and with no risk. And these aren't generic frames. These are brands like Ray-Ban, Oakley, Tom Ford, and Calvin Klein. So head on over to GlassesUSA.com, use promo code ALMIGHTY, that's promo code A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y, and get 55% off any pair of glasses at checkout. Again, GlassesUSA.com, promo code ALMIGHTY. Wanna do bad things. That's real, though. I don't at all, man. The more you make, the more problems you get. And jealousy and envy is, is something that comes with the territory, man. A lot of people, it's just negative energy, like my man Puff said. What country you from? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English and what? What? English, mother... Do you speak it? Man, you've been doing all this dope producing. You ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So what you want me to do? Welcome to the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast. Congratulations, you have arrived at episode 437 of the Spurs cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast, brought to you, of course, by ProjectSpurs.com. On St. Patrick's Day, I am still Ryan McCallum. On St. Patrick's Day, he is still Jose Gerholba, and he joins us right now. Jose, say hello to all your fans. I'm wearing green undies. Wow. Just in case. Neon green. Neon green. Are you wearing green? Did you get pinched today? Uh, I'm wearing a University of Miami hat. Uh, because one, they're playing tonight, and so I've got to support the Hurricanes and or or the U, as uh, as I like to call it. And uh, and and it's green, you know. So I go with that. That was my that was my participation today in, in St. Patrick's Day. I'll, I'll get that's, more into that tonight. That's lazy, though. That's that's just a hat. Come on. Yeah, I once gone. you take it off, everybody's going to be waiting, just waiting <laughs> with their fingers out. 
I won't take it off until after midnight. Um, so, man, we're kind of rushing through to do this podcast because I know that we wanted to record something here on Friday because we got a couple of days layover until the Spurs play uh, Sacramento here on Sunday. But the thing that's top of mind for me – or actually, I'm sorry, they play Memphis on Saturday and then they play Sacramento on Sunday. So we've had a couple of days because they, they haven't played since Wednesday. But on Wednesday, they played Portland. They lose 110-106. to 106. Quite honestly, you know, for stretches of the game, it seemed like Portland had the opportunity to run away with it. I don't know if you had that same feeling. Uh, no, I, I just thought they were lazy. The the Spurs. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. That's really how you sum it up. It just it, a lot of disinterest. Now Kawhi did great. Thirty four points, nine rebounds, six assists. He led the Spurs in all of those categories. But I, I share the same um, thought process that you do about this game. At every turn, they just looked disinterested, uh, lazy, your word. Um, you know, Danny Green, I thought, played fairly well. LaMarcus Aldridge, I thought, played horribly uh, in his return. And, you know, Kawhi, like I said, did, did great. And he had to, and he kind of kept them in it. I thought Patty played just okay. Uh, 106 to 110, I don't think, really tells, tells the story of the game. Yeah, exactly. And... You know, I mean, I sort of give LaMarcus some slack. I'll cut him some slack. I mean, he had that hard scare. Uh, He was out for a few days, right? I forget how many days uh, I was told or, you know, what's the official word on, you know, when you lose conditioning. I don't think he was running around doing exercises, you know, cardio or anything like that. I think he was just keeping it easy. So he probably lost a lot of conditioning with that, which is, I mean, normal. So I'll I'll cut him slack with that. The the thing that troubles me is now Kawhi – you know, before, remember when he was averaging, averaging like what, 35 points or something like that at the beginning of the season? Uh, I mean, we were all surprised. We were like, we were thinking this is a great situation because everybody, you know, if he scores 35, everybody scores what they're really supposed to score. It's going to be, you know, a high flying team, you know, a high scoring team. And it's really just been the norm. You know, now we're getting used to Kawhi scoring that much. They're dependent on him. Nobody else is really stepping up on a con- on a consistent basis. This sort of reminds me, and and before uh, you get excited about championship, uh, this sort of reminds me of the 2003 Spurs team where it was really all Duncan. You know, and you know it was four down Duncan. You know, he'd find some open guys. Tony Parker would show up sometimes. Steven Jackson would show up sometimes. Manu coming off the bench, he was still a rookie, so I mean they really didn't depend on him. Malik Rhodes would help out sometimes. David Robinson was at the end of this, his career. The thing about that is, you know, one superstar too. You had Dirk on the Mavs. You had. You know, the Lakers sort of with, with their two superstars. But everybody else had one. You know, it, this isn't really going to last with the Spurs. Kawhi can't have that Duncan burden on him because you play Golden State to have four superstars. He has to make up for four superstars. Uh, you know, even if they play uh, people, even if they play like OKC, you know, uh, they, they can light up every now and then, especially, you know, if Westbrook gets a triple-double. You know, the Clippers have, a, you know, a few pieces out there. The Rockets, you know... Your Houston Rockets have five three-point shooters, right? I think five in the top 25 or something like that uh, of the top three uh, three-point shooters. So he can't make up for everything like Duncan did. And that's the one thing that's, that's really worrying me about this team, that it's sort of like the norm. Now now we're expecting Kawhi to uh, score 35 or whatever points. And if he doesn't, and it's going to be a bad performance. I think to step up or really maybe first-round exit. I hate to say it, it hurts me, but, you know, at this at this pace, I can't see them getting past the, the, the first round if only Kawhi carrying the burden, especially through a seven-game series. 
You know, it's so funny how the, the I guess the winds have shifted because I, I thought, and, and I, I guess I disagree with you here, but your statement there that you don't think they could get through the first round series is, is somewhat shocking to me because the first round series is going to be, you know, OKC, Memphis, or Denver in that first round, right? Um, you don't think, honestly, that the Spurs could get through that if, if Kawhi just has a average performance for him. And let's say average is, you know, 20 points, uh, seven or eight boards, four or five assists. You don't think that they could uh, they could come through that series? Any of those teams? I mean, clearly they could be they could go through Denver, but how about Oklahoma City or Memphis? I don't think they could go through OKC. Uh, I, I really don't. The big show up. I mean, you know, uh, if Westbrook turns into a facilitator, uh, who, who's going to make up for that? Uh, I just I just don't really see it. Uh, and again, this might be the the you know so, sort of the. Um, the horn to really uh, do something in the offseason. But, you know, Memphis, I think they, I think they can with Chandler Parsons out. Um, I think you mentioned, you know, they're, they're a young team. They're fearless, fearless against Spurs. Well, what's that guy's name? Jokic, he has big games in the paint. I mean, he had a triple-double, I think, uh, last game. I don't know who. But, you know, I mean, if he has that kind of performance, really, co- it's just Kawhi. Who else is going to step up? You know, they really need LaMarcus to take the attention away from Kawhi and take the attention and, and get the of t- attention he doesn't do that you know all he really does is tries to post up go down the middle and then hope that somebody's open and really that's I mean anybody can do that any average player can do that in the NBA so no uh, uh other than Denver and maybe Memphis I I just can't see them getting past the first round at this pace if everybody steps up I think they have a better chance especially to, to the NBA finals so you've talked about that a lot with LaMarcus Aldridge and perhaps we just need to do a breakdown podcast on LaMarcus Aldridge but you know when you're talking about him um you know getting the ball down the low on the block and then him going to to the middle you know talk about how that's changed from seasons past because you know LaMarcus was pretty elite on that you know step back baseline uh jump shot what's changed that's driving him into the middle of the paint you know where it's real crowded. I mean, why why is he doing that? If it, it seems like so, such an obvious change to his game, uh, and presumably he'd be much more effective. I mean, is it just a comfort level, or, or it's got to be a comfort level? But why is he doing that? Honestly, I think he's not comfortable in the offense. I mean, it, it's different when when you're getting the majority of the touches in in, uh, in Portland. And really, it's, you know, the defense knows that, you know. So, so again, when he gets the ball, I mean, it might be three, four possessions into the game. He has shooters around him. But if you notice, if you remember him in Portland, he was sort of – there was no pressure in, in what was going to happen because, again, they didn't have championship aspirations. With the Spurs, he has to perform at a high level. So you're not seeing that, uh, you know, f- face up to the basket, you know, trying to pump fake, you know, trying to get that little step back jumper or whatever he had. You know, nowadays it's he's just trying to post up and trying to, you know, facilitate. The problem is they're not playing him in that way. And if they are, if they're all collapsing, I mean, the way he's posting up, he's getting so low that 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 pass isn't a great pass that, you know, to make the majority of the time unless he's unless somebody is wide open. You know, like that Kawhi, uh, like that Kawhi dunk. Did you see it? It, it was against Portland. Well, well which one because he had two just amazing one where I think the defender hit him back up into the air I don't remember what the defender was but as silly as that seems it seems like Kawhi hung in the air a you know an incredible amount of time several seconds for sure and then he had the other dunk which was you know he, he came baseline and sort of 360'd in and made it look easy which one are you talking about the one he hung up in the air because that's the one that LaMarcus gave him 
Okay. Remember? Uh, I, you know what? To be honest uh, with he, you, he, I just – after he went up and up, I just forgot about the rest of the play. I mean, it was just amazing. Everybody else? Yeah. You forgot who was even on the floor, right? Yeah, I didn't even know what team I was watching. Uh, it was just did, amazing. Yeah. But, I mean, that that was – you know, that's when LaMarcus tried to go middle, didn't see middle, so he passed it to Kawhi, and he had a dunk over five people, which was impressive. I mean, I think he dunked over all the team, right? Uh, you know, and again, it's those little simple things. LaMarcus would have been open if he would have done that. Uh, you have um, dribbled to the other side. You know, once he goes, Fender goes middle. You know, uh, you know, go to the to the baseline, go to the you know to get a wide open basket. And he doesn't do that, so uh, I think it's a comfort level at mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some. You know, he's getting million dollars to really be an average player to play off of somebody else to be really i mean with with the uh Kawhi and lamarcus you need two batmans really you know you can't have a batman and a robin uh so i i think i really think the spurs are going to reevaluate if he doesn't change his style if he doesn't type of mindset if he's if he's uncomfortable i mean what really can you do after that yeah i mean not a whole lot I, and you know Especially look, well, well look at lamarcus's line i mean he played 32 minutes he went nine for 24 from the field um, one for one for the line. And and those are the, the troubling numbers there for sure. You know, seven rebounds overall, that's great. Four assists, that's great. But LaMarcus, remember the last podcast we said, it'd be okay if LaMarcus Aldridge gave you, you know, 15 points, did it on 10 shots. That would be an ideal scenario for, for LaMarcus Aldridge. And they give you, you know, 10 rebounds, seven to 10 rebounds. And in, and in this game, Dude, the, the guy shot 24 shots from the field. That's three shots more than their best offensive player, Kawhi Leonard, in four fewer minutes. Uh, and then, all that being said, he's not getting to the line. One for one from the free throw line. Uh, not an impressive offensive uh, you know, showing from LaMarcus. Talk about those 24 shot attempts. Was he just forcing himself, you know, I mean, you said he's uncomfortable with the offense, but you know, do you think he's just forcing himself back into the offense just to try to get the rhythm because he's been out for a while? Or what's up with the 24 shots? That seems ridiculous. Uh, well, you know, you, uh, I think you, uh, you brought up the point he was trying to get back into the offense. Really, what's the difference between his game against the Blazers and what, how he usually plays? Usually, it's the same thing. Uh, if you notice, in when he first came to San Antonio – uh, he was a little bit more comfortable because remember Tony Parker still played a little bit more like Tony Parker back then than he did now I, uh, by I, last year. So uh, you know you saw that pick and pop, you saw that pick and roll. Now it's Kawhi. He, Kawhi doesn't really do that. He doesn't have the passing skills of a point guard. Uh, you know he can create his own shot very well. Uh, so I, I again, what they the only way you can really change that is. You know, go into a pick and pop situation with Tony and and Manu with Lamarcus. I think that'll work. I think that'll give him a groove. But at the same time, can you really do that now with Kawhi scoring like how he is? I mean, it's it's just a a uh, is it is Pandora's box? You know, the saying I I don't know can of worms. I mean, you'll just get into trouble trying to change it right now. So I, I really don't see him changing it. You know, if he goes somewhere else, if they trade him, if they if he goes somewhere else when he's a free agent, I think he'll be more comfortable. Uh, and it'll be obvious why. He, you know, it's sort of that Richard Jefferson situation. You remember with, with RJ? I'm sure you remember right. those years, right? I do. Uh, you know, I tried to if you remember. Off, 
If you remember, Pop was saying, you know, we're giving him Sean Elliott plays, but he wasn't that Sean Elliott player. And I think this is the situation that they're having with LaMarcus. Uh, the difference was Papa Sor, I think he was stubborn to change it into a running style like they did in 2014 with RJ. But, you know, with Kawhi, you can't really change that if the guy is being dominant and an MVP candidate to make him really the second option at this point. It, it's just going to be hard to do as, as a coach. So, so what do they do? I mean, because you've got to get scoring. Right, you've got to get scoring, um, and I know that that's not that's not very controversial. But you know, with a team that's scoring as efficiently as the Golden State Warriors are, and you know, of course, the Houston Rockets uh, are just at the top end of their. Um, I mean, they're having one of the most efficient years. I, I heard something that they they had like they're having the most efficient year scoring of all time, the Houston Rockets, uh, which was amazing to me. And, and you know, uh, the the rock. The Rockets. If we had a producer on the show, they could probably fact check that. But it, you know, it was a stat that was not far off of that. So they have these teams that are scoring very efficiently, and when teams score efficiently, that means that you know every time that you go down, you make or miss it. They're making it on their side, right? So per 100 possessions, the, the Rockets are killing it. We know that the Warriors are killing it. Um, we know that Kawhi Leonard is killing it. But if they don't get consistent and even scoring from this team, from other team members. I'm with you. Now, I don't think that they're going to lose in the first round. I mean, I'm not saying that you could sleep and go through Memphis. Because, I mean, look, they had such a problem with Nurkic in this game. Uh, You know, you look at big big centers, uh, and Marcus Gasol certainly is one of those uh, with Memphis. I just, I wonder what the corollary is there and, and how, you know, what kind of problems that they're going to have with a guy like Marcus Gasol. But they should still be able to beat Memphis even with uneven scoring. But the long term, where do you think those points are going to come from for San Antonio? Are you asking me what I would do if I was Pop? Because, I mean, what I would do if I'm Pop is something that Pop would never do. If you want to fix this problem, uh, I would bring Aldridge off the bench. Just start Gasol. You know, uh, basically what what uh, Lamarcus is doing, I think Powell can do. Back down somebody, spot up, uh, shoot, uh, stretch him out to the three point line. I think Powell can do that. Then you can have Deadman protecting the paint. Then basically you can tell Lamarcus Aldridge, hey, you, you're with the second unit. It's all you. You know, if you wanna if you wanna be the first option, be the first option. Pick and roll with Manu. Pick and roll with Patty. Pick and pop. You know, do whatever you want. I, I think that's – if you wanted to fix the problem, I think that's the only way to fix it. Uh, I don't think they'll do it. I don't think LaMarcus would do it, although if he did it, I mean I I think he, in his mind it would lower his stock. But at the same time, you know, you bring him off the bench and, you know, if you put him with the starters later on, he'll already have the groove of being that first option, especially against inferior players off the bench. So I, I think that would work. I don't think they'd ever do it, so – uh, and I think that would neutralize really everything the Rockets would bring because, you know, how would they guard the Marcus Aldridge off the bench and Manu Ginobili? So uh, I think it would be impossible to, to for the to beat the Spurs in that situation, but I don't think they'd do it. Well, I'm not tracking that really because what's the difference between that and what they're getting with Pau Gasol now coming off the bench? Uh, well, <laughs> like scoring-wise. I mean, like put it this way. This last game, Pau went 5 for 10, 18 minutes, 5 for 10. Um, two for two from three, right? So he's stretching the, the floor from his position. Um, what's the difference between Powell scoring off the bench or LaMarcus scoring off the bench? Or is this just to, like, shake it up, just to change it and see if it shakes something loose for LaMarcus? No, you're just being a troublemaker asking all these questions. It's better <laughs> not to ask questions. No, uh, basically what I'm implying is – <laughs> 
basically, uh, kudos to Trump, by the way. He's sending 100 million uh, person reports to Flint, Michigan. I'm glad somebody's helping them out. I, I think they've, you know, I just wanted to bring that up. 100 million I, I think, what? 100 million what person report? Uh, what does that mean? 100 million uh, dollars. Oh, his 100 million a- dollars. His, his EPA uh, is sending, I'm, I'm trying to find the article here, but uh, uh, yeah, it was 100, um, yeah, 100 million to Michigan for Flint water relief. Oh, that's good. Uh, so, so I, I'm glad because I, I think, uh, you know, that they, they were sort of forgotten and, you know, in a sense with all this political BS going around. But uh, no, the, the reason I think that how should start is because basically what I'm implying is they're, they're forcing LaMarcus to become a role player up until Kawhi needs help offensively. I think that's how the, the offense is, is structured now. So you bring if you start Powell. You have that role player that's comfortable being that role player, that second option. And then you can have LaMarcus be the first option off the bench where everything can revolve around him. He's playing against inferior players. He can post them up. He can shoot over them. Uh, and then once LaMarcus, once Pop brings in the starters, LaMarcus is going gonna, is gonna to be comfortable sort of taking that break, you know, being that second fiddle uh, to the starters at that point. That, that, that's all I'm saying. Uh, I don't think they do it, though, so... I think it's a null point. But if they do do it, credit is – I want credit for that you know, because I'm pretty sure they hear us, right? I'm sure the whole organization hears us. Oh, I know they do. I know they do, at least based on their tweets. Um, so let's talk about their starters, and let's center on a guy that Popovich has called instrumental to their defense, uh, to their defensive strategy, and that's Danny Green. And that was pretty evident in this game, uh, although I'm not sure the effectiveness. It, I mean, Danny Green drew primary – defensive responsibility on Damian Lillard and then switching off on C.J. McCollum. Um, but he was bad offensively, dude. I mean, he's real bad. Uh, and, and this has been a trend all year long. Now, he's shooting apparently still around 40% for the year, which I, I, I just don't get it because every time we talk about Danny Green, it's because he's he's gone like one for 10, you know. And this game was no different. I mean, he had 31 minutes. He's one for seven from the field, and he was one for six from three. Uh, he did not get to the free throw line. Uh, three assist, or three rebounds and no assists. Uh, and, and that is your shooting guard, right? That's not – like, that's Dallas Maverick territory. I mean, that's bad. That's real bad. What do you do about Danny Green? Um, because, you know, he's taking, he's taking minutes, right? I, I get that he's a wing defender. And that's great, and and they're going to have to use that. You, but you can't, you can't not have Danny Green scoring. Does that make sense? I think that was a double negative. Danny Green needs to score, is what I'm saying. How do they make that happen? What do they need to do to change the offense to give Danny Green opportunities to score? I mean, he's shooting shots that are fairly open, but he's in a ridiculous slump. Well, first we need to fix the school system with double negatives, sir. Uh, you know, it's it, it makes my head explode. I don't know what to think. Uh, I think, again, if you notice, Danny Green has been in a slump at, at least the majority of the time when LaMarcus came, uh, came to San Antonio, went to San Antonio. You know, so, uh, I, again, I think that's the offense because if you Where remember, you Green, Green is <laughs> – exactly, you know, I – you know, I feel like Patrick's I'm in San Antonio, day. right? Yeah. It's like, it's like when the fans say, hey, we lost the game or we won a game. I know that bugs Paul Garcia. That's why I enjoy him, you know, smacking those 
fans down. Like when he says, I, I wasn't in the game and neither were you. So, I mean, that, that's that's Paul. But uh, uh, I, again, I think that's the offense because if you remember 2014, there was a free-flowing offense. 2015, it was a free-flowing offense. He was more comfortable. The extra pass was made. He would be moving around. Now he's just standing still. And, right. and again, I, I know that, you know, people are keep saying, well, you know, have a move a little. Or, you know, it's not that – it's not that easy, you know, and again, that goes back to the RJ example. Why is he doing well in Cleveland? Because again, in Cleveland, he was, he, he's not, you know, standing around like he was in San Antonio waiting for the ball, you know, just moving around. Dude, you sound like you're calling in from the moon. You lose sessions where, you know, he could go. I, I think that's, I, I think that's your connection. Are you downloading something, sir? Uh, No, not at all. No. From that Brazzers website or whatever. <laughs> well, so, you know, what's really, what's interesting is that you're peeling back the curtain. So everybody knows. So you've made several comments today that are just, are so risque they might get you kicked off. If people actually read into those, you get you kicked off this network. And you're peeling back the curtain and letting people know what's in your browser history. It's pretty scandalous. Oh, I don't use my laptop. I do not use my laptop. I just use it for this, okay? Gotcha. Gotcha. That's my. I use my cell phone for everything else. Well, I, yeah. um, well, I was going to say about but, Danny yeah, Green. I think, it's that, the I think he's. Dang, I, I think he's just standing around. To- well, do you think it has? I mean, him standing around on offense has anything to do with the fact that he's drawing primary defensive responsibility? Uh, you know, on the other team's best offensive player, and he's kind of worn out when it comes to the offensive side, sort of like a reverse Steph Curry, because you know Kawhi is. I mean, he's playing. I mean, he's he's like. The guy's going to be Defensive Player of the Year. I'm a little bit biased, obviously, but um, you know I think he's having a ridiculously good defensive year again. Uh, is is uh, Kawhi Leonard? But he's got this, such a, an offensive responsibility that oftentimes we're seeing Danny Green uh, play significant minutes on the team's best offensive player. And it, in my mind, it's like Danny Green's worn out when it comes to the offensive end. He's just not finding rhythm because he's catching his wind. And Kawhi uh, has, you know, a primary offensive responsibility, so he's not drawing the uh, the other team's best defender uh, for large chunks of the game. I mean, do you see that, or, or do you do you think that my theory holds any water, as uh, cousin Vinny would say? I think it's very logical. I mean, it, it's basically well, the Bruce Bowen theory, right? Uh, have Bowen guard the best player on the other team. Let him get tired on defense. Let him rest on offense. Let, and let the Ginobili's on all of them, you know, guard the inferior players so they could rest and, and they could take over the offense. Uh, you know, the thing is, if he's a rhythm shooter, if he needs those shots, then I think you got to meet him halfway. Mm-hmm. You know, but, which team it was. Uh, I don't know if you remember, it was a few years back. I think it might have been the Clippers at some point where the Spurs had, you know, Tony, or I think it was Steph Curry. It was last year, two seasons ago. Tony Parker started on Curry, and then you brought Danny Green on Curry a few possessions after. Then you brought Kawhi Leonard, and you sort of mixed it up. I think you can do that. I think that the logical thing to do if he's getting tired on on the defensive end. But I th- I really think he needs the shots because if he's just getting tired and then he can't shoot the ball after you know, defensive end, uh, you know he's basically a Bowen, and I don't think they need a Bowen right now. I think they need Danny Green to be Danny Green. Yeah, and if you look at Danny Green's career numbers, he's not incredibly far off, okay? So, I mean, he's played 461 games in his career. He's nine points a game average. Um, it, it's just really interesting because I just I guess I figured that he was more than that. Like, he was an 11-point average 
because he's had some pretty, I mean, I don't know if you call him dominant, but we kind of, we talk about Danny Green as, oh, man, this dude is amazing, and he's, he's shooting a great percentage, and he's shooting him at volume. But, you know, he's nine points a game. He's uh, first career. He's 3.4 rebounds a game, and he's 1.6 assists. This year in 59 games, he's 7.5 points a game. Um, so he's a point and a half off of that pace. The rebounds are just about identical, and the assists are just about identical. Um, he's shooting 40% from the field this year, and he's shooting 40% from three this year, uh, and his 30, you know, 39.2, and his career average is 40.2. So do you think this is a case uh, that we just have these super high expectations for Danny Green, or has the game changed where now we just we need more, we need better? And, you know, I, I couch that with this question of, is Danny Green the right guy anymore? Or do you need a more explosive offensive player, uh, you know, playing that position, playing that, you know, that offensive position like a Patty Mills? Now, defensively, you don't want Patty Mills covering anybody, right? Don't, like, don't get me wrong. But, like, don't you just need more from Danny I, Green? I, I, I think so, and you brought up a good point because, I mean, who do you put in place of him? Jonathan Simmons, I mean, he's basically, uh, irre- you know, irrelevant, you know, right now. I hate to say it like that, but, yeah. I mean, he's not getting minutes. I want to talk uh, about him, yeah. too. That's our next topic is where the hell is Jonathan Simmons gone? Like, what sort happened of like, to that dude? What, sort of like where on earth is Carmen Sandiego? You right. remember that? I, I remember uh, you saying that about me when, when we were trying to get on the call. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot. Uh, but, yeah, I, like I think they need more, but, again – <laughs> I think you've got to meet halfway with him. And I think that's uh, – and, again, that's not an easy thing to do. I uh, I, I sort of get black because they, they think I play – I'm playing Coach Pop, you know, just because I'm in a, a youth league coach. But, you know, it, it's easier children to coach them because even though they complain, you, always, you can always snitch them out to the parents. These are millionaire basketball players. So, I mean, Danny Green is not easily replaceable. But even if you take – that starting lineup. I mean, who do you have that you can put in? And, and again, he's getting ten million dollars to play basketball because he's good at it. So uh, it, it's just uh, it's just. Hey, you want to know something that's just going to make you go insane? Um, just for giggles here, since we do this comparison, and you've done it three times on the call so far about uh, about Danny Green, and then you've called it the Bruce Bowen. First off, I didn't know that Bruce his middle name was Eric. Uh, for some reason, I like that. B-E-B, Bruce Eric Bowen. Um, the guy, his career average is for po- What would you say that his career average would be for points? Do you remember what I said about Danny Green, his points? Uh, Bowen? Yeah, I mean, Bowen? Just, uh, you said Green was... Uh, this, well, just to say this year, he's seven and a, Green is seven and a half. He was like three rebounds a game, and he was like 1.2 assists a game. And he was 40% from the field, and he was 40% from three. I just looked at Bruce Bowen's numbers. Bruce Bowen's career stats are 6.1 points per game. So let's just call that six. So Danny Green is a point and a half better than Bruce Bowen on a career average. Total rebounds for uh, Bruce Bowen is 2.8 to Danny Green's three, and their assists are both 1.2. Uh, Bruce Bowen's field goal percentage and Danny Green's are both 40%. Bruce Bowen's three-point percentage and Danny Green's three-point percentage are 40%. So what I'm basically what I'm saying is rafters get ready. 
because Danny Green's jersey will be hung right next to Bruce Bowen's and right next to Tim Duncan's and Avery Johnson's in the AT&T Center with numbers like that. I wouldn't mind that. No, but you know, the thing is, I think Zimpat was uh, maybe, I hate to say it like this because I know I'm going to irritate people if I say this. I think his was helped a lot because, you know, he was a great helped uh, man defender. But again, he had Tim Duncan behind him. He had guys like Rosho Nesterovich, who people don't think high of. But again, he was a big defensive body. Kurt Thomas, he had Robert Ory. Oh he had God. all these Kurt different Thomas. guys that helped. Thomas. Antonio McDyess wasn't a good help defender. I'm trying to come up with uh, 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 other guys that might have helped. But, I mean, uh, Sean, the great Sean Marks was also helping out uh, Bruce Bowen. And really, uh, Danny Green, I mean, that's why they need more out of Danny because, again, he has Paul Gasol, not the greatest help defender. LaMarcus Aldridge, not the greatest help defender. So they need more out of him than really what, uh, what they needed from Bowen. But I agree with you. If you keep splitting up those numbers, you can't. And they win another championship with him because of defensive efforts. Uh, I think absolutely you put Danny Green up there. I have no problem with that. I would be happy. I would go to San Antonio to watch that ceremony. You're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. Okay, so let's talk about Jonathan Simmons. Um, Jonathan Simmons was a hot commodity. Uh, and, you know, it was a guy that we talked about a lot. And he, I mean, obviously nothing's happened to him. He's still super athletic. The only difference is the dude is not playing. Uh, what happened with that? Because we even talked about Jonathan Simmons being – you know, a, a Kawhi Leonard light, you know, being a good defender, not a great defender, but a good defender, um, comparable in size. He's six six. He's about 200 pounds. Um, dude, he's just not getting minutes at all. Uh, I mean, at all. What's the deal? I, but let me put it this way. When he does play, he gets minutes, but he's just getting shut out of games. And l- let me give you an example. Um, you know, this year, he started three games for them. He's, he's played – you know, in, in 63 games, but, but he's not getting, he's getting 17.4 minutes a game. But in whole stretches here, you know, and, and let me put it this way. I'm trying to back myself into this argument. When he's, when he starts and when he plays, he gets large chunks of minutes. But on the average, uh, it does not appear that he's playing in meaning, meaningful minutes in games, I think is what my argument is here. Um, what has happened to Jonathan Simmons and how has he lost the favor of Greg Popovich, or, or do we think there's something deeper at play there? Uh, I, I think it's really easy. Uh, I, he's just a one-dimensional player. He can't shoot. I've been very disappointed with his defense. He, he I really think he was a, a better defender last season, but he's just really a driver, uh, you know, a slasher. So what do you do when you play against somebody like that? You pack the paint. They're already packing the paint with dead men. They're packing the paint with David Lee. So now, you know, especially when those two come off the bench, now you have three guys who are essentially in the paint, and you're going to force Manu and uh, and Patty to, you know, go into the help or keep shooting every time. And I don't think that's what you really want, especially Manu off the dribble. I think you want him to be a spot-up shooter, and Patty's not that guy to, you know, really take control of the offense. So you really need that movement. You need the defenders to be moving around. You don't get that. So I really think that's that's the reason why. I think that's why he put he puts uh, Pop plays Kyle Anderson over him because Kyle can do basically what Manu can do, maybe First at a slower basis, pace. I guess, right? First name basis yeah. with Kyle Anderson. BFFs. Kyle, oh, yeah. What, what, do you want me to call him Anderson? I could call him G- Manu Ginobili, you know, just Ginobili, <laughs> but not Anderson. But I think really, I, I think that's the problem. I would personally personally like to see Bertens get those minutes. He can shoot the ball. 
uh, he can drive it. And also, so really, uh, you know, his defense is kind of sketchy. But, I mean, Jonathan Simmons is not the greatest defender either. So I, I would like Burton's to get those minutes. But I think that's why Pop has been playing Kyle, my friend Kyle, over uh, Jonathan <laughs> Simmons. And I think that's why he fell out of the rotation. Yeah, it, it, uh, I, would, I would agree sort of on all points. But let me, let me ask you this. I mean, in the, in the playoffs, r- rosters and, and, I guess, benches get tight. And so if I hear you right, you're advocating to put Bertans into the rotation versus Jonathan Simmons in the rotation come playoff time. Absolutely. I think Jonathan Simmons, because he's too one-dimensional, uh, should be really at the end of the bench. I would play any every other guard except him. I would play DeJounte Murray uh, it, at the small, small forward position before I would play Jonathan Simmons come playoff time. I'm with you. Well, another guy who hasn't been playing because of in- injury is William Parker. Uh, little Willie uh, has played in only 49 games so far this year. Of course, I'm talking about Tony Parker. William Anthony Parker. Uh, dropping knowledge in case you guys didn't know. The guy, his his averages for his career, I don't know why this is so stat-heavy today, but you know this guy is like a 16-point average scorer um, for his career. And in this career, he's or his career. This year, he's scoring only only ten points per game, and you know he's only played in forty nine games, and it looks like a pretty significant drop off. But you know that career average is based on you know years where he's been twenty plus, twenty points plus. Uh, you know the year that he was the the Finals MVP, he was nearly like nineteen points uh, per game average, I think. Um, Last year, he was at 11.9 points, and this year, like I said, it's 10.4. So he really hasn't dropped off much from last year to this year. But in their championship um, you know, season, he was at 17 points a game. That disparity between those two, look, it, that's pretty serious. 16, 16.7, 17 points a game to now it's 10.4. They're, you know, they're missing seven points out of their starting point guard. Uh, I mean, obviously, age, this is like his 15th year in the league. So a little bit of age is hitting him. Um, you know, injuries have hit him for sure. Uh, but what else are what else are we looking at with Tony Parker? I mean, this is sort of it's more than just the beginning of the end. I'm going to ask you two questions about Tony Parker's. You know, where do they go from here with Tony Parker? And then what do you think for next year as far as point guard pro- uh, prospects? Given the fact that. Patty, well, first off, Patty Mills is not a point guard. I mean, that's him listed on, on you know, on the, the roster, right, and on the depth charts. But he is not a point guard. He's a shooting guard. Uh, but he's also a free agent So at the end of the year. So let's, let's talk about that. Tony Parker, what do they do with him now, and where do they go from here? Uh, well, you brought up Patty. We can talk about Patty afterwards because we have a fan question on Patty. Uh, but with Tony Parker – it's a hard decision because, again, you have Kawhi Leonard. He's, I mean, is this the prime of his career? Can he get better than this? And how many years do you have him playing like this? So, I mean, uh, they can't really waste time and say, you know, well, we can go the Kobe tour with TP. And however long he wants to play, you know, that that's okay with us. And then we'll rebuild afterwards. I don't think they can have that mindset. So they're in they're in a really pretty sticky situation. Where would I go from the, from here strictly on a basketball standpoint and strictly on a business standpoint because of his salary uh next season uh i would think about trading him you know and then letting patty go you're talking about point guard uh, prospects at, at the point guard position big bad benjamin bornstein is you know checking them out every game you know he's the ncaa guy so we you know in the draft uh you know uh, he, he should know a few point guards that the spurs can get 
I would go that route, especially if Lamarcus stays, Kawhi stays, Powell stays. You have that veteran leadership. But again, I, I think they need to get because if going with Parker at this rate, enough bench, he needs protection. You know, I don't think he with Patrick Beverly, uh, you know, on the defensive and let alone Steph Curry. So at least with, you know, if you bring in DeJounte Murray in next season as a starting point guard, he's pretty solid defensively where everybody can stick to their position, everybody can stick to their man. Now the Spurs are not going to be vulnerable on the defensive end. But if you go with Parker, I mean, out of just loyalty, I think they're going to be in a bad position. So I, I, I think it's, it's you know, the business standpoint, the basketball standpoint, and really what they owe Kawhi. You know, there's people who talk about loyalty uh, to, you know, guys like Tim Duncan. And Tim Duncan was very loyal to the organization. But you got to remember, it, it, it's still a business. Duncan got millions of dollars to play basketball. The Spurs paid them, paid Duncan so he could play well on their team. Same thing with Ginobili. They gave him $15 million this year. Loyalty to stay instead of going with the Sixers. Uh, you know, with Tony... I don't think you can play that because of the position that he's in and because of how much he's dropped off. He's not like Manu, where Manu sort of reinvented himself into a spot-up shooter. Tony's not really a spot-up shooter, and he can't go like how he used to. So uh, I think the loyalty now will be squarely on Kawhi with what they can do for him. And uh, if it was, like I said, if it was me, I would trade him. I, I'm not saying I would be happy about it, but I think that would be the best basketball decision that the Spurs can do. I would tend to agree with you, uh, but I, I can't be as, as heartless. I, I, I think you give him the tour. The thing is, you know, like the Kobe tour, like you're saying, you know, you, you let him be there as long as he wants. The thing is, I don't think he wants to be there. Like, I don't, I don't, they've kind of always had a bit of a love-hate, if you forget what I, I'm saying. He's, he's not, I mean, he's not Tim Duncan with the area, right? He's not this transformational um, player. I, I Maybe that's not the right word, but you know, Tim Duncan like changed the way and changed the sort sort of the trajectory of San Antonio sports. Um, and you know, think of think of like uh, sports uh, or Spurs Sports and Entertainment. I think is the name of the actual company, right? Uh, they've got like five other professional organizations, and uh, you know, in San Antonio now. They've got like the Rampage, the hockey team. They've got that new soccer team. The I don't remember what it's even called. You know, they've got the stars. They got none of that stuff. You could trace all of that stuff back to the draft uh, that got Tim Duncan. So he's been transformative. Tony Parker's been amazing. Six-time All Star, four-time All NBA. Remember, he was the Finals MVP in '07. Uh, all rookie team, all that kind of stuff, right? So great player. But he hasn't had the, the type of connection, I don't think, with San Antonio that, that Tim Duncan has had. And then you look at the other member of the big three, like Manu Ginobili is the, is the fan favorite, right? The league loves Manu. Uh, the area loves Manu. Tony Parker's not that guy, right? I'm not so sure that if you offer Tony Parker a trade uh, scenario, package that up, and said, you know, my dream scenario would be, of course, would be go get Ray McCallum back uh, from Charlotte, where he's just tearing it up on the bench. Uh, actually, in, in the D-League sometimes. <laughs> Every once in a while he gets to play. Uh, my dream scenario would be to package him up, ship him off to Miami, and Drogic is now your new point guard uh, for San Antonio. That's my dream scenario. Um, I don't think that Tony Parker box at a trade. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, do you get that feeling that he, that if you, if you moved him to one of those truly international cities, um, you know, paid him, 
uh, of course, you know, and, and uh, but it was it wasn't like you shipped him off to Utah, but if you shipped him off to Miami, New York, L.A., you don't think he'd be interested in that at this stage in his career? Uh, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Out of the big three, he he's the one that really never fit, and I still don't think he fits as far as the culture goes. Uh, like you mentioned, Manu's Manu is the fan favorite for two reasons. Number one, I really think he fits into that you know Texas Hispanic culture. He's from Latin America. He's not European. And then you know with Duncan, he really I mean they, they were gonna embrace Duncan because of what Duncan has done. You know. Uh, it doesn't matter if he fit the culture, you know, and I think uh, because of, you know, especially Duncan lifting up the, the city, lifting up the uh, the organization, making them who they are, really. I, and, and you're seeing that culture missed. I think that's why we're we're sort of missing him more because, again, we appreciate everything that he did. With Parker, you know, he's a good player. He was a really good player, finals MVP, like how you mentioned. But he really played off of those guys. He was never really the face. And he, when he was the face of the offense, if you remember, I think it was for three years, right? The 08 season after he was the MVP, 09 and 2010. And then afterwards, Pop just kind of said we're going to go a different direction right we're going to try to move the ball a little bit more we're still going to go through Manu uh I, I'm with you on that I don't think he would balk at a trade my dream scenario is not Miami my dream scenario if they can get uh I don't really know their cap situation I'm trying to look it up but my uh if they can get sort of nothing in return or very or something very someone very cheap uh that that would not bring in the same salary uh, I'm trying Hurry up and load. Okay, uh, I would trade him to New York. He, I, you know, there's been rumors he's wanted to go to New York. Yeah, he's a big fan of the city. Uh, if they can have him for nothing, just take him. You know, wish him well. Uh, if he take that, get bring nothing back, open up that cap space. I think he would fit in the triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if he if he really thinks he he can be that spot up shooter, uh, I, I think he would fit with what they're trying to do with Porzingis and Melo. Uh, bring the ball up, just give them the ball or run a little pick and roll, pick, pick and pop. You could go that one three pick and pop with Melo. I think it would fit perfectly. But again, uh, it all depends on the loyalty. But I, I'm with you. I don't think he would balk at the trade, especially if it's you know if Manu leaves. Uh, I think, and I hate to say it like this because I don't know Tony Parker. This is just me, you know, thinking out loud. Hold on, I, you don't know Tony Parker? That's shocking. No. That's shocking. I, he's not like my friend Kyle. Okay, um, I, I think that he would feel insulted a bit, you know, because again, it, you know, we, we're still talking about Manu when he's going to be forty years old. I don't think we'd be talking about Tony if it's just Tony, the the one left out of the big three and Kawhi. So I, I think that. You know, I'm with you. I, I would offer him the trade. If he doesn't want to take it, then I think you make the business decision and the best business decision. But other than that, I, you know, I'm with you. I think you have to accommodate him somehow because that's how the organization is. And that's really the, the difference between the Spurs and, um, you know, what you saw, the drama with the Bulls, what you saw, the drama with the Lakers, you know, sort of uh, the Knicks. They treat their players bad. They treat them a certain way. They favor some players or the co- the coach or the owner is just a egot- egotistical maniac. You know, the Spurs are really different from there. Uh, and again, that attracts free agents when they do go to San Antonio. So I think they'll accommodate him. But at the end of the day, it's basketball. It's the best basketball decision. Because if you win championships, people forget the drama, right? People forget you know everything else that you know sort of ticked them off the year before. So uh, I, you know, I'm with you on on what you said about Parker. So did you ever say who you would replace him with, or you just want to give Dejounte Murray the the ball and, and say this is your show from the point guard spot? I would just give Dejounte Murray that spot because 
you, you remember when Parker uh, he took the job from uh, uh, who? It was uh, Antonio Daniels, right? Correct. He took the point guard spot. I mean, you know, you wouldn't be thinking, well, you know, what's Tony Parker going to do? You know, is he going to, you know, is the offense going to fall fall apart with him at the point guard position? No, because you always had Tim Duncan there. Tim Duncan would have, you know, taken the pressure off of him. I think that's the same situation with DeJounte Murray. You have Kawhi Leonard, who the offense is going to run right now. You have LaMarcus Aldridge, if he's still on the team next season. You never know what can happen. Powell said he's going to come, he's going to go back to San Antonio at, uh, next season. He's going to exercise that option, but that's not a for sure until he actually does it. If he has those veteran around him I think he'll be okay and I think he'll have a year to sort of build up on that that's what I would do you bring another point guard a, a cheaper point guard or you know uh you're gonna laugh at me for this but if you take a pay cut bring in a Derrick Rose who can come off the bench for him and sort of you know play that Ginobili role you know sort of off the bench you know uh, as the playmaker and that score uh, and I think it, it would fit him well but I like DeJounte starting next season just because of the help around him Danny Green is a veteran now Kawhi Leonard is a leader. LaMarcus Aldridge is, is a veteran, and Pau Gasol will take that pressure off of him too. So he won't have that much pressure as really anybody else would on any other team. You know, a guy that uh, I agree with all of that for sure. A, a guy that I – sounds like I'm just this homer for Texas, but I've, I've always thought that this guy would fit in really well with the Spurs. And he's in, a, in an interesting – in the scenario that you put out there, even if it's like – I mean, the Derrick Rose coming here, the money is just – it's like, you know – you're basically filling all that Tony Parker cap. I don't really know the finances there. I'm not. I'm not looking that up. But uh, you know, you're you're going to absorb a whole lot, even if you just if you did a trade or or whatever. And Derek Rose moved over here. Um, the the guy that I would look at because you could still have a lot of space for complementary players. If you're just looking for a guy that can bring the ball at the court, which is the scenario you mentioned, and it's really what we're getting from Tony Parker: ten points a game uh, with no defense. I'd like to go the other way. And we know the point guard play in the West is is pretty solid. And, you know, you've got players in the East now, like what John Wall's doing. I just mentioned Drogic, who's on a bad team. Uh, or, you know, a team that's making a run, but a run to the eighth seed. Uh, Kyrie, of course. I mean, you've got some good point guards over there, too. You've got to be able to defend those point guards. Danny Green, and, I mean, take this last game, what Damian Lillard did. Um, Danny Green's not that guy long term. And they keep the Spurs seem to have to keep like shuffling their defense in order to who's going to take these great point guard players. Because if you look at if you look at like what's going on with Golden State, the the two wing pl- defenders Kawhi and Danny Green are like preoccupied on you know other players. Nobody's really nobody can really cover Steph Curry the way he needs to be covered. And if you do that by putting Danny Green on him, well then who's taking Clay Thompson? And it's sort of this weird rotation of of uh, uh, on on defense because they just they have like players like Patty Mills, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, you know those type of defenders that cannot defend. Um, you know these these modern point guards and and, uh, and shooting guards, really talented, quick shooting guards. Long story long, I'd look at what it would take to pull over Patrick Beverly um, because he's in a, he's in an interesting scenario where he signed a four year deal. Uh, Two years ago, last year, 2015, the fourth year is not guaranteed on that deal. He's like five million bucks a year. Um, well, you know, it's interesting because Patrick Beverly is it. I mean, that's all he is. I mean, he's 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 like nine, eight, nine points a game, but he's a superior defender. Um, that would be a really interesting play. Do you think that the that the Spurs should double down on defense? 
in order to sort of counteract what like the Golden State Warriors are doing and like what the, the Cavaliers are doing with you know Kyrie Irving being a primary offensive player, do you think they should double down on defense and have? I mean, look at what your your um, and I, I'm going to put Kawhi in the in the backcourt here, right? And say say that your wings, including Kawhi, are Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, defensive studs, and then you had Patrick Beverly. Uh, at, I mean, defensively on, at the point guard spot, that'd be a pretty incredibly uh, credible defensive uh, team around the around the arc. No, I would double down on Dejounte Murray because if he can, he, he's he's a scorer. He's fearless. Uh, he's sort of like Superman. You know, he he's, he doesn't have a kryptonite though, so that that makes Superman weak. Uh, the thing Dude, that his, I, his kryptonite are like the LA Defenders and the Iowa Energy and the Texas Legends. I mean, th- those are the play- teams he's playing. How can you say so so many good things about Dejounte Murray? He's playing in the D League. Yeah, you don't know anything about Dejounte Murray yet. <laughs> he's better than McCallum, that's for sure. That's well, wait, hold for on, true. Ray McCallum or Ryan McCallum? Because because, dude, I I am like one super cat away from dunking now. Back to my back to my. Uh, High school shape. Round as a shape, so I'm in shape too. <laughs> um, I, I would double down on an offense because if you have those two defenders, uh, and, and again, Dejounte Murray is not a slouch on on defense. That'll make Steph Curry have to play defense. It, it, and again, th- that's why I think the Warriors are going to get into trouble because with that new CBA, uh, th- that the new deal where uh, Curry can get forty million a year and Durant can get forty million a year, and I think you know. Uh, Thompson's going to want a max contract, $40 million a year or so. And then uh, when he's a free agent, uh, uh, Draymond's going to want a, you know, a big contract. They can't keep all those guys. So, you know, if you make Steph Curry play offense and you force him to play offense, sort of like, uh, what the Spurs tried to do with Steve Nash back in the day, uh, you know, have him guard Tony Parker, you know, have, I mean, have Curry play defense, have him guard Tony Parker. Or Michael Finley or Ginobili, or, you know, and then he he loses his legs on the defensive end, or you can score easily on him and then stop him at some point. I think that's the better situation because again, if you if you overload on defense, if you say, well, let's bring a Pat- Patrick Beverly in, and he can't score, and then he's not stopping Curry, where do you go from there? Uh, so I would rather have the safe option because again, he because he's not a slouch and, he, and he's a long, tall point guard. I think you can, you know, sort of play that defense that they used to play, where they could switch defenders on him or just keep him on the the main point guard and then just help him out in the in the paint. I think that would be the better situation. Okay, well, so you say. Uh, I have. A, well, why don't you ask, answer this question since you don't? Is this, since the, I always is ask this one of the fan questions here? Yeah. I, let's do that, and then let's uh, let's talk about the Spurs cast bracket, and then let's get out of here. Okay, this is from Paul DeLeon, which I think it's oh half, Paul, Paul, half Paul Garcia and half Michael DeLeon. I think that's how we're going. Is this, with this. a real? Well, I guess that is a real person's name. It's just so damn convenient. That's, <laughs> you know, like, like they have this. They have a, a a third personality that's just a hybrid between those two. You you know when the, those anime cartoons when they do the fusion thing? Have you seen that? I don't watch cartoons, just oh. uh, CNN. Well, that you watch fake news instead of cartoons. Who's the silly <laughs> one now? Okay, well it's uh, from Paul DeLeon. Could you all discuss the options on the table as they pertain to re-signing Mills and Deadman this summer? I'm guessing he's asking what uh, you know. Yeah. What do you think they'll get? Right? Oh uh, yeah, as far as re-signing them, uh, yeah, I think that. Deadman, you've got a real shot at. I think you got a real good shot at Dwayne Deadman. Um, one, because he's undervalued now. 
He's sort of been – I think that he as a player also really values um, – the fact that the Spurs look like they're a team that could give him some stability. I mean, dude, he's starting for the San Antonio Spurs, right? A multi-time championship team. And this is a dude who's been in the league four years. He's been on four different teams. Uh, I think he plays a role here. I think the Spurs would pay him for that. Because it's always about paying that one-off guy, right? Like, how do you solidify the spot that's next to Tim Duncan? How do you solidify the spot that's next to, in this case, LaMarcus Aldridge? Um, you know, hopefully he's he's here for a little bit longer. Um, but you know, Dwayne Dedman, I think they've got a shot at uh, the money. We you know we'll we'll dig through that. We'll we'll do a whole um, you know in the off season as soon as the season's over for the Spurs at least we'll do a a recap of the financial situation. But uh, I think you can get Dwayne Dedman, and I think it would make a lot of sense for the Spurs to get him because you look at some of these other athletic bigs. I mean, that's they're all Dwayne Dedman. I mean, they're all that same style of play. There's no more. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge and Pau Gasol are kind of oddities in their position. Marc Gasol is an oddity in his position as well. Um, Hassan Whiteside is sort of an oddity. There's not many of those dudes. Um, they're athletic fives. And Dwayne Denman fits that role. And so you're going to need guys like that to compete. And so I think the Spurs will recognize that, and they'll get him, and they'll pay him, and, and you know, whatever. They'll move away from other contracts in order to make that happen. For Patty Mills, I don't think you have any shot at getting Patty Mills again. I think Patty Mills is gone. Um, I think that some team is going to pay him to be a point guard. Uh, I think they're going to be disappointed by that. I mean, he'll be a starting point guard somewhere in this league next year. I think that other teams will be disappointed that, that he is the starting point guard because he's really a two guard. Um, and he likes to sit around the art, <laughs> you know, and get his shot. And he could do some off-the-ball stuff, uh, but as a primary ball handler – you know, that's just not what he's been asked to do forever in San Antonio. I think Patty Mills is somewhere else because I, I also think that he's going to he's gonna command a ton of cash because he's playing lights out uh, this year. I think he's going to get rewarded for that. Hats off to him. Uh, I think he's going to do great. Uh, I don't know where he's going to go, uh, but I don't think it's going to be with San Antonio. Oh, I agree with you. The thing about Deadman is if I'm the Spurs, I sort of uh, tell him, you know, send a one-year deal. Uh, and then the, there's more financial flexibility the next season after Powell leaves, uh, maybe after Tony's gone, you know, uh, so sort of sign him for cheap this season. But sort of I, I don't even know if it's legal with the CBA, but promise him the next, you know, the next time he's a free agent the next season, you know, you know, pay him what he what he's worth or overpay him like they usually do to keep players there with Patty. I think they go Boban and just say, you know, they wait for somebody to offer him like twenty five million. And then the Spurs say, you know. All we really can offer you is fifteen million. So go ahead and take it, kid. You know, like how Bob told Boban, right. go get your money right. because we really don't think you'll be playing here. You know, and I think that's the thing with Boban. I think Pop was nice. I think he liked Boban, but it was one of those situations where they just didn't want to keep him. Uh, so uh, we have one more question from at Gamesta One. He asks, "Who really yeah. believes Spurs can win it all?" Who believes that the Spurs can win it all? Uh, I, I I'm one of those guys. I mean, <laughs> I really do. It depends on the playoff matchup, uh, matchups. Though. I mean, clearly, that's what that, <laughs> of course, Ryan, that's what that means. I think if the Spurs can come out of the West, and I think that's as simple as who – you guys think I keep going back to these guys, and maybe I do, but it's who has to play the Houston Rockets in the second round because that's a tough draw um, in the second round because in the third round, you're going to have to presumably play, uh, you know, it would be San Antonio or – or, you know, Houston or Golden State or, or vice versa. I think if you can avoid that kind of strange matchup, um, 
I think you, you I mean, it, you can win the West uh, if you're San Antonio and you go into Cleveland. I think you could totally beat Cleveland. Now, because you, you have Kawhi Leonard. And, and Kawhi, if he can go for 30, 35, and I don't want to hear this stuff like it can't happen. Because remember that, it was a 2003, I was giving you the stats. Maybe, maybe this was a couple of weeks ago in Tim Duncan's finals. Excuse me. Uh, was was like ridiculous, out of this world, like video game stuff set on easy, right? Um, you can have a dominant finals, and you got Spurs have guys that could score in bunches. Uh, you know, Manu's not completely out of that. Uh, to, uh, you know, Patty Mills is totally in that. Uh, you know, you got a double double guy in David Lee. You got a you know near double double guy in Pau Gasol. You got a double double dude in, in Lamarcus Aldridge. You're fairly deep. Um, I think you could totally take the, the Cavaliers at, in, in the East. And that's assuming they make it, that the Cavs make it past the, the um, Wizards. So I think this, this is a kind of an up-for-grabs year um, you know, in, in, the, in the playoffs. It will be an up-for-grabs year. Now, the wild card is Kevin Durant. Um, and if Kevin Durant comes back playing the way, from injury the way that you think he will, well, that's going to be pretty tough um, for anybody to compete with. But... You know, let's cross our fingers. I think it's still er- too early to tell, but I could absolutely see San Antonio winning. I mean, I could see any of those teams, any of these four teams. Houston, I could see winning it all. Uh, I could see Cleveland winning it all. The Warriors or San Antonio. And between them, you know, who knows? Uh, I, I think they can, but again, I think they have to do something about that offense. So where they're playing now, no, absolutely not. Like I said, I don't even, I don't even see them getting past the first round the way they're playing now. Uh, but again, if you do a little tweaking, like bring Lamarcus off the bench, uh, I think they'll, I think they'll dominate to the point where, uh, at the most five games in every series. That's how I honestly think though that they would be if they would bring Lamarcus off the bench and let Kawhi do his thing against the starters. So yes, if they tweak it like how I want them to tweak it, championship. There you go. All right, man. I got to get out of here. So let's just do a quick uh, check here, man. And hats off. Thanks everybody who joined this first cast bracket here uh, on Yahoo for the NCAA tournament. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Jose and I are not doing so well. Except uh, if you look at it, our brackets are still totally intact. Uh, we have a possibility of 184 points each, uh, which puts us right back at the top. We just have to have a couple things go our way. But um, Mariah is up at number one seed. Uh, or number one seed, number one rank overall. Lots of people in two, but man, thanks for the 27 people who joined up this year. Uh, you know, again, the prize is a, is a guest spot on the show. So let's see if we can, uh, if you guys can beat us. I'm still holding out uh, and think that I'm going to pull it off because I had UCLA winning the whole thing. Who did you have winning the whole thing, Jose? Uh, of course, U of A, the Wildcats. Oh, They're down. Right. That's right. That's right. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. Um, guys, that's it. It is uh, St. Patrick's Day. i got to get to some St. Patrick's Day festivities. Uh, but that's it for this episode of the Spurs Cast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Spurs Cast. Catch up with Jose at JRG1023. Me, I'm at RyanMC underscore PS. Follow us or any of the Project Spurs folks at Project Spurs. Go to ProjectSpurs.com. Jose, thank you, sir. And to you uh, listeners, you're welcome. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.